and this is Criminal Behaviorology. I'm your host for Criminal Behaviorology, Timothy Joseph. And I really, at a show like this, we are have to have a little bit of an explanation. I understand it's an unusual name, perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, the criminal part is probably well understood, and, and I, I don't think we need to go too much detail there. Behaviorology, behaviorology is uh, probably better known today as behavior analysis. Some are using the term behavioral science. I think that might be a little bit confusing. I've heard behavioral engineering before, and people have heard of B.F. Skinner's behaviorism. But behaviorology as a general term is the scientific study of, of behavior. And we are applying this to help out criminology, sociology, psychology, the criminal and civil justice systems. And this show is covering many areas, many aspects of that. And as a matter of fact, I'm discovering more every day. There's actually a lot of literature out there. And I get asked about this at, at conferences I've been to. What articles can I find? There's a lot of topics on criminal responsibility, on the correctional system, on uh, motivations of crime and delinquency. I'm part of the special interest group of uh, behavior analysis and crime. We're meeting in San Diego uh, in May for the ABAI conference. And we're going to have a poster session up. I'll have a poster session up myself about criminal behaviorology on a different day, so we're not competing. Today I'm going to, this is a short uh, short broadcast today, and I'm going to have a, a little segment, and I get asked about this, and I've asked questions myself about it, the role of, of genes in behavior. And I, I, one of the best things I've found, I'm going to read from a book called From a Behavioral Point of View, A Psychological Primer. From a Behavioral Point of View, A Psychological Primer by Jay Moore, who is a, a really a brilliant guy, and I've, I met him last year in brief. He's a, a professor of uh, behavior analysis. I assume it's a behavior analysis. University of Wisconsin at uh, Milwaukee, published in 2015, and there it is, it is in chapter, chapter three, chapter three, it's page 23, genes, selection, and physiology. A behaving person is a biological entity. Indeed, in its early days, psychology was extensively influenced by biology as early psychologists studied the physiological mechanisms that underlay, beha underlay behavior in attempts to link their field with natural sciences. They found these mechanisms operated according to known physical and chemical principles. Knowledge of these mechanisms and their operating principles was important because it cast doubt on the kind of explanations offered by Descartes that behavior should be explained by the action of animal spirits in our nervous system and pineal gland. Of course, modern biology has advanced a great deal since these days and has contributed a great deal more to our understanding 
of the participation of physiological processes in behavior. So he goes on to, to give some definitions, explanations, chromosomes, genes. He comes to a section on page 26, genes as causes of behavior. To better understand the causal role of genes, let's turn to the example of a potter who makes a vase out of clay. We can start with a simple question. What is the cause of the vase? To answer this question, we can usefully apply the thinking of the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, who suggested we use the word cause in, se in several different senses. And one sense of cause is what Aristotle called a material cause. For Aristotle, a material cause was the stuff out of which something was made. The material cause of the making of a clay vase was the clay mixed with water to, certain cons to a certain consistency so the clay would respond to the potter's hands and hold its shape. A second sense of the word cause is the action of a potter's hands. Clearly, we can say that the potter's hands caused the clay to become a vase rather than, say, a bowl. A third sense is the ultimate use of the vase, perhaps to hold flowers. Here we can say what caused the potter to make the vase was the goal of having some container to hold flowers. A fourth sense is a smaller model of the vase, perhaps a picture or image that guided the potter in the process of crafting, crafting the vase. Here the picture caused the potter to put pressure at particular points on the vase during the process so that the vase would end up looking like the picture. We focus below on the first two cause senses of cause. As a material cause, the clay of an appropriate consistency makes it possible for the potter's hands to have an influence and for that influence to be re retained. Behavior analysts ask analogous questions when it comes to behavior. What is the cause of the behavior of interest? For behavior analysts, genes and physiology and the physiology they yield are a material cause corresponding roughly to the consistency of the clay. Nevertheless, a lump of clay will not assume the form of a vase without something from the environment affecting it. Dash the potter's hands. So, also will behavior not assume the form it does without something from the environment affecting it. In the case of operant behavior, the action of the environment is the contingency. And that's as described in chapter 1 of this book. Just as the clay needs to be of a certain consistency to retain the influence of the potter's hands, so, in the case of operant behavior, does the individual's physiology need to have certain properties to retain the influence of the contingency it has experienced? Genes predispose an individual's susceptibility to influence from the environment. In the example above, the clay is predisposed to be susceptible to the influence of the potter's hands because the clay has a certain consistency. So, also is an individual predisposed to susceptibility to be susceptible to certain influences of the environment because the individual has certain genes. Thus we can see the understanding we can see that understanding the influence from the environment is critical because an individual necessarily lives in an environment that can have different differential effects.
Nevertheless, the clay and the potter's hands are different types of causes. One cannot be reduced to the other. Similarly, the physiology of the living individual and the influence of the environment are different causes. One cannot be reduced to the other. Just because environmental events can influence substances or in individuals doesn't mean that all substances or individuals will necessarily encounter those events or that the events will necessarily influence all substances or individuals to the same degree. In some, genes don't cause behavior in the ordinary sense of the word cause. Okay? For example, they do not establish an unavoidable, inescapable destiny for an individual. Rather, genes provide the physical basis for the structures and processes that participate in behavior. As that behavior occurs in the context of environmental circumstances. So uh, genes are not uh, genes are not causing behavior. They're they're not making behavior just by some kind of code in your genes. And this uh, once again, this is one of these areas that we can always say is open to more research. But genes, whatever. Whatever physiological effect, whatever the phenotypical effect of the genes, it is making the organism more sensitive in particular ways to the environment and the end result could very well be a certain type of behavior. If, uh, you know, if someone's taller than me, and a lot of people are, few are shorter, I'm, so I'm five foot nine, if they're taller than me quite a bit, they, that is genetic, and they may uh, end up ducking when they come across low-hanging pipes. If there's in a hallway and the pipes are laying, hanging low, they're going to duck. If we could somehow alter my genetics and that of other people that are shorter and make us into tall people, we will display that same behavior. The genetic material we have inherited has caused a physiological effect height, and that has had it, uh, made us sensitive in key ways to the environment, which is low-hanging pipes. Now, maybe we could move the pipes, uh, see, so we're changing, we're changing the environment. On his summary and conclusions, page 31, we have seen that an individual's physio physiology is relevant to an understanding of its behavior because its genes determine the features of the environment to which the individual can respond and indeed the possible forms of that response. In short, the genes provide the physiological foundation of the sensory systems that are stimulated by the environment, the muscular systems that do the responding, and the neural systems that link the sensory and muscular systems. The concept of selection applies just as much to the science of behavior as elsewhere in biology. An individual's behavior is selected just as the features of its body as a member of a species are selected. In the case of operant behavior, the, the selection by consequences such as the selection is by consequences such as reinforcement. An individual's physiolo physiology is changed by exposure to operant contingencies, such that the individual responds differently in the future. The susceptibility to operant influences is an important characteristic of living individuals. I'll, I'll go to uh, the end of the summary here, page 32.
In, close, in closing, behavior analysts view the relation between behavior analysis and the science of physiology in practical terms. In principle, we can use either environmental or physiological means to predict and control behavior, depending on what our own circumstances are at the time. One form of knowledge is not necessarily superior to another or necessary to validate another. Behavior analysis and physiology can work together in the cooperative venture of a science of behavior. In practice, however, we need to be aware of any practical circumstances that may limit our efforts. I really like that. I, I think that's a really good, concise definition. He's got one reference in this chapter, and that's on the origin of species by natural selection by you-know-who, Charles Darwin. So this is Jay Moore, and uh, from a behavioral point of view, a psychological primer. When we, I think the, there is a lure of genetic determinism and that is just the, the idea that it could be so simple that we're going to, this, even though it's not, genes are not simple at all, and behavior is not simple at all, but we can, the idea that we can, oh, we can tap in, find these genes, and we'll find what's causing this behavior. Also, I notice people are very sensitive to the, the possibility of genetics. It kind of gets, gets to their core, as it were, and um, I'm not really sure why. Uh, but the people, I, it is uh, it's kind of the old, uh, old-fashioned bad blood or something that might be inside your blood is causing all your problems. It's the interaction with the genetic material in your environment, which can be, which can be uh, varied in all kinds of ways. And we can just look at the environment, see, understand how your genes may be reacting to it. It's the same people do not react the same to the same environment. But there's so many variables, physiologically, environmentally, that it becomes quite a challenge. And uh, the challenge for us is to ferret through all the complexity of it and see how the interaction takes place. So we can, and, and this becomes very pertinent for criminal behavior. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's, we can review this in the future about, uh, about how crime uh, may be influenced by genetics, and there's been study adoption studies and and uh, other similar kinds of analyses. I, I, if you recall the the Las Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock, and his father had a, a criminal history who he did not have much of a much of a relationship with, as far as what we're being told in in what's been reported on that case, but it's his father went on a criminal rampage, although not quite the same as as what Stephen Paddock did. He was the guy that shot uh, uh, shot at people from a hotel window, and uh, scores of people were were killed and wounded in that. But it was really a seemingly irrational thing by a guy later on in life. But it, but I'm not sure what his age. His father was somewhat later on in life, but he'd had a he he went on a, a Kind of a crime spree himself. So uh, this is uh, this is from Sloan Publishing, 2015, from a behavioral point of view, a psychological primer. Jay Moore. I'm Timothy Joseph. It's been my pleasure. I hope to hear from you soon. This is Criminal Behaviorology. <laughs>